In the summer of 2004, my wife Trish and I, we'd been married for a number of years, and we were hoping, and had been hoping for a while, to start a family. So one day we headed out to the local drugstore to pick up a at-home pregnancy test. We thought Trisha might be pregnant. Came back home, she took the test, and then we waited. I can remember sitting on the edge of the bed, you know, staring at this little test. We were hoping for two lines, which would show pregnancy. One line would mean she wasn't pregnant. But we sat there, I think it was for about 10 minutes, and that was a very long 10 minutes. We get to the end of it, and there's only one line. So it shows she's not pregnant. And with disappointment, we throw the, the uh, test in the trash. About five to 10 minutes later, I start thinking to myself, did we, did we give that test enough time? Maybe I should go back and, and check it again. And so I did. I went through the trash, found the test, and guess what? There were, there were two lines. Our eldest, Clara, was on her way. And we were filled with great joy and anticipation. You know, pregnancy and the news of pregnancy can bring incredible joy. And we see that with Mary this morning. Despite the abnormal circumstances of this pregnancy, despite the fact that Mary knew that most people would probably think the worst of her, Mary had this joy concerning her pregnancy, this anticipation. And we see this in her song today. Our reading, it comes from the first chapter of Luke. And just a, a quick word about context. I know we know the story well. But right before our reading, the angel has visited Mary and, and told Mary that she would be the mother of the Son of God. But the angel also told her that her cousin Elizabeth, who was thought to be barren, that Elizabeth was now in her sixth month of pregnancy. So what does Mary do? Well, that's where our reading picks up. Mary goes with haste, we're told, that's the word. She goes with haste to see her cousin Elizabeth. Because if Elizabeth is with child, like the angel told her, well, this would confirm the truth of the message. And so she goes. And of course, when she meets Elizabeth, it is confirmed. Elizabeth is pregnant. And so Mary responds to this confirmation with a joyful song. We heard it this morning, a song called the Magnificat. It's a very, very famous passage in the scriptures. Uh, we don't only read it this time of the year. We read it all throughout the year. It's part of the daily offices. But we call it the Magnificat because the first word in the Latin version is magnificat, for magnifies. My soul magnifies the Lord. And what I want to do this morning, just want to take a couple minutes, I want to reflect on this song of praise that Mary sings, because I do think it prepares us in a powerful way for Christmas, for the coming of God into this world. So, if you want to grab your bulletin, I'll, I'll read um, all of it. But the Magnificat, it, it is broken down into two parts. 
first part, Mary is praising God. And specifically, she's talking about how wonderful God has been to her, to Mary. She says this, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant, the lowliness of Mary. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So that's the first half. She is, she's praising God. But then the second half, the Magnificat, is a little different. The tone is different. And this is the section I want to really focus on. Because in the second half, her focus widens. And she begins to talk about what God, what the Son of God, is going to do when he comes into the, the world. Talk about God's activity and plans for his world. And I'll say before I read it, you'll notice it's written in past tense. Um, it's almost as if she is so sure that this will be accomplished that she can talk about it as already having been accomplished in the past tense. But she says, picking up where I stopped, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of, the, of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. I want to pause there and just think about the activity of God as described there in that last second section. It says God will scatter the proud. He will bring down the mighty. He will take the riches away from the wealthy, while at the same time he will lift up the poor and lowly, the hungry. It's the idea that God is going to do some radical things in this world. In the 1940s, William Temple was Archbishop of Canterbury, so head of the entire Anglican Communion. And during this time, at least in the first half of the 40s, India was part of the British Empire. Uh, there was a lot of social unrest occurring in India at the time, um, and, and, and Britain was trying to kind of make sure that social unrest was kept under control. They're trying to minimize it. And it is said that William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury, it said that he told his missionaries in the 40s to never read the Magnificat in public, that they were not allowed to read this passage in public. And it said he, he asked that because he was afraid that these words could promote a revolution. You know, in India, the caste system, especially at that time, the caste system was ingrained in society. You were born into a hierarchy. And the untouchables, who were the lowest 
level of that hierarchy, many of whom were, were Christian, it was feared that the untouchables might use this passage to revolt against their servitude. This passage of Scripture was also banned in Guatemala in the 1980s for the same reason, for its revolutionary content. C.S. Lewis, uh, in one of his letters, he's writing to a, a friend, and he is talking about this song of Mary, the Magnificat. And he describes this song as dreadful. That's the word he uses. He says it is a dreadful song. Now, I'm sure that when we heard the Magnificat read just a few minutes ago, or when we've heard it sung many times in the church, I'm sure we have never gotten to the end of it and thought, gosh, that was, that was dreadful. But C.S. Lewis says it was dreadful. And he says this because he's honest. You know, Lewis was a professor at Oxford. He was a don. He was highly regarded. And here this young girl, this young girl at the bottom of the hierarchy of society, this young girl speaks about a God who will come and take the lowly and raise them up, while at the same time taking the high and mighty and casting them down. And Lewis, to his credit, he was honest about where he fit in the song. And of course, that's the question for us. Where do we find ourselves in this song? I mean, all of us, you, me, we are all so very privileged. And the question, therefore, is where do we find ourselves? Do we see ourselves with the Marys of this world, the lowly, the people of no account? Or do we see ourselves with the powerful and the prideful? I said at the beginning that I think this song, in a powerful way, prepares us for Christmas. And it does this by reminding us that it is good to be humbled. Not humbled in a perverse sense, but, but humbled in the recognition that we are absolute debtors, that we have many times grieved God, that we are all of us together the recipients of God's generosity towards us. It reminds us that God calls us to live differently in this world, that we're called to live out, in a sense, this revolution, to love our enemies, to care for the poor and the weak, to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of our neighbor. This is a, a different way of living in the world, and it radically transforms the world. And we, and this is, I think, the incredible invitation, we are invited to participate in this transformation. We are invited to find ourselves in this song. We're invited to be humbled. All of this so that we can receive God when He comes and be part of what He is doing in this world. Mary proclaims today, 
My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Amen.